Thank you for downloading the Grove City Vineyard Sermon Podcast. Enjoy today's message. Jesus, we thank you that this, this truth is true. You are always by our side, Father. In times of great pandemics, in times of this deep anguish, as we see injustice in our country, you are by our side. You are near to us. And so we cry out to you. We, we ask that you would meet us today. We ask that you would meet us where we're at. Father, we need you. We need your peace. We need fresh joy. We need fresh energy, fresh resolve, fresh courage. Would you come and would you, would you fill us afresh today, Holy Spirit? Would you come and would you give us eyes to see who you really are? and what you want to do through us. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your holy name. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Grove City Vineyard. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Pastor Christian Roots, and I'm the associate pastor here. It's good to be with you all. And I want to invite you out to a new ceremony tradition. We're starting here at the vineyard called The Walk, which is going to, to occur on Sunday, June 7th at 1.30. And so we're inviting all graduating students, that is those of you who are graduating elementary school, middle school, and high school, to join us for a symbolic walk around the wall. And so this will be in recognition of your accomplishments and uh, as a way to cheer you on as you move forward. And so this event is going to be occurring rain or shine. And so please come out to, uh, to celebrate our graduating, graduating elementary, middle, and high school students. Also, church, I want to encourage you to continue giving to our blessing box in the back of the parking lot. And so you can bring your, your shelf-stable food items so that we can make sure that we're supplementing uh, the, the pantries of, of those in our community who need them. And uh, should you be in need yourself of a little extra help, please feel free to come at any time and to grab some food for yourselves. Lastly, church, we're not going to be taking up a physical offering this morning, but I want to encourage you to, to use the QR code on the bottom of your bulletin or to visit gcvineyard.org and click on the giving tab, or you can mail in your, your tithe or your offering as well to 3005 Holt Road, Grove City, Ohio, 43123. And so thank you so much, church, for your continued faithfulness. We as a, a staff are just repeatedly each week blown away by your generosity in this time. And so thank you, thank you, thank you again. So let's pray for the offering now. Jesus, we thank you for your, your goodness. We thank you for your generosity to us. I, I just personally, I, I thank you for the, the generosity of this church. You are so kind to us. Father, would you use this money for your glory? Would you use this money to be a benefit to others, both in, in Columbus and uh, around the world? We love you, Jesus. Thank you that you made our needs, and would you be with us the rest of the service? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. Good morning. How are my kids out there? Everybody doing good? 
Good. Have any of you guys, have any of my kiddos, have you guys ever gone to a friend's house or maybe even a relative's house and you've seen a toy or something that was really cool and you said, man, I wish I had that. Kids, I bet there's a grown-up in your car right now that can say they've even said that. We all see things that others have and we naturally think that we wish that we had it. Have you ever thrown a fit in a store with your parents because you wanted something so bad and they wouldn't get it for you? What about that favorite toy you have? Or maybe even it's an electronic of some kind. Inevitably, someone always wants to play with it when you are, right? Well, do you share it? All of these are examples of ways that we show that we are not content. How many know what the word content means? Well, the word content means peaceful happiness, satisfied. Now, trust me, kids, it is hard. Sometimes you just really want that new bike, the latest, greatest device, but your friend gets it instead. It's how we respond to these moments that's important. God wants us to have a thankful and a joyful heart. Proverbs 21:26 says, all day long he craves for more, but the righteous give without sparing. And listen to this one. In Proverbs 11:24, it says, one man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. God promises that he will provide all that we need. Listen to what happened to the Israelites when they were unhappy with what God was giving them. God delivered the Israelites out of slavery with the help of Moses. While they were in the desert, the Israelites began complaining about not having enough food to eat. God heard them grumbling, and he said he would rain down manna and quail for them to eat. God said they must only take what they needed for that day, but the Israelites wanted more, so they took more. The extra food that they took, it spoiled, and they were unable to eat it. God wanted them to depend on him for their needs and to be content with what they were given. The next time you find yourself about to complain about not getting something or finding yourself wishing you had what someone else has, try to remember to be thankful for what God has already given you. I know I am. Good morning. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you guys again. I'd like to begin with the announcement that uh, we've all been waiting for, and that is that we are planning to return to indoor services in two weeks on June 14th. This is a decision of the elders that came after an extraordinary amount of prayer and discussion, and it's also the result of an enormous amount of effort by the church staff. And Beloved, I am so proud of the way our church staff has stepped up to provide so many resources and ways of ministering to you all at a distance, and I'm also so proud of the way our staff has diligently worked together to develop the protocols and plans for a meeting safely inside during this pandemic. Uh, And one more thing that I think I should just mention about our staff is that um, they're committing to an even higher level of work and commitment by moving back inside. And aren't we just grateful for the staff that God has blessed us with here at the church? 
But our primary goal is to do everything we can to help people, help keep people safe. And I guess I would say it this way, that if everyone will follow the plan, uh, then coming to church will be less risky than going to the grocery store. Of course, in no situation can we eliminate all risk, but I'm just trying to lay it out there for you. Uh, and I think you should just prepare yourself, as you I'm sure already have to some extent, that things will be different than they were before. Uh, I plan to send out a lot of detailed information later at the end of this coming week and then more the following week. And I also plan to produce uh, a video uh, describing uh, some important aspects of moving inside that I hope, I really hope you'll take time to watch uh, so that you can just kind of look me in the eye at a distance and see my heart for many of these decisions that are being made. Um, now, we realize that not everyone will be ready to come back inside in two weeks, and we fully respect that, uh, and everybody must decide for themselves what situations they feel comfortable putting themselves in. There is, in this situation, there's definitely not a one-size-fits-all. Uh, we wish we could accommodate inside-outside. Uh, uh, we discussed that, but it's really just not feasible for us to do that. We will continue to broadcast the services via Facebook, and at the request of some, uh, we will continue to actually to provide the short-range FM signal in the parking lot, even while we're inside, if that would be of interest to anyone. The virus is for real. This virus is for real. People are, are dying because of it. And I have prayed, as you know, diligently, uh, that the Lord will protect anyone in GCV, Grove City Vineyard, from getting this virus. Saying that, I will also not put the Lord to the test. I will not say, well, because we've prayed, we need to take no wise precautions. I will not put the Lord to the test. I believe that the Lord is counting on us to take precautions, to take provisions that just come not only from Scripture, but from natural and godly wisdom. So our plans to return to the building uh, are contingent upon the continuing uh, improvement of the pandemic statistics. And, and really, you should know our subject to change if a spike uh, in cases or deaths should occur between now and then. But I have prayed Psalm 91 over this fellowship since the beginning of the outbreak. I will continue to do so, and we will continue to follow the Lord's specific leading as long as it's an issue, and I am personally longing to get inside with you guys, and I don't know about you, but I am willing to do anything, pay just about any price, if it means we can get out inside and see each other and worship with each other again. Amen. Well, I was planning to preach a message on the faithfulness of God this morning, and for any of you who are following our daily devotional video postings, you know that I've been working on a series of celebrating the attributes of God and how they impact our lives in such positive ways, and I plan to continue that. I've, I've, in these parking lot services, I have tried to be only encouraging toward you in this time of global crisis, and I recognize that we're all going through stressful times in a variety of ways. But, you know, being a church pastor, 
uh, does not always afford me the opportunity to be only encouraging. There are times when, by the very nature of this role that I am called by God to fulfill, uh, I am called to be challenging and even confrontational. And today is one of those days. So I, I really hope that for those of you who, for however long or short a time, would say you have benefited from my encouragement, will today give me the benefit of the doubt and listen to my challenge and possibly even in some cases receive my confrontation. Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We come to you in the name of Jesus and we're so grateful that you are not bound by our circumstances, that you have come and you have saved people in this very parking lot. You have met them out here when they were not met inside. And what a wonderful joy it is to know that, Lord. And Lord, you know our hearts and you know what we want. And at the same time, you know what's best. And so we surrender to you in all things. We surrender to you in our future. We surrender to you in our present. And we surrender to you right now in the, the situation that's going on in our city and in our nation. And I, I just pray, God, that you would come now and take full charge of these words that will proceed out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I suppose you may all know, Mayor Andrew Ginther was forced to enact a citywide curfew in Columbus last night. And that was following two nights of destructive protests, which escalated into dangerous rioting. And this scene, I'm sure you know, has also replicated itself in a number of cities throughout our country. And the protests were in response to a heinous crime committed by four police officers against an unarmed black man named George Floyd in Minneapolis on Monday. Now, I want you to know something, people. I have only the greatest respect for the men and women of law enforcement in our nation. I truly respect the complicated role that you fulfill in our society to keep us safe from lawlessness. And I'll be the very first to admit that I've never experienced what must be the great pressure of actually being a police officer. I don't know what it means to be out there in the face of danger and having to make snap decisions in the face of an armed threat. So there is a side of me that fully understands that in some situations, things that were meant to go one way can in an instant of instinct go quite another way despite any amount of training. But to functionally strangle a man for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, who while he was still conscious was heard more than 12 times begging to be allowed to breathe is not a snap decision in the face of an armed threat. It is prolonged brutality and it's murder. And George Floyd, George Floyd was not just the victim of police brutality, as I am certain the investigation and ensuing trials will show. George Floyd was the victim of murder. The fact that, the fact that all four police officers who responded to a nonviolent call were white and that George Floyd was a black man cannot be overlooked. So the question from heaven, the questions from heaven that I feel I am prophetically called by God to bring to you this morning are these. 
When will the disparities of racism end in our land? When will these tragedies that give license to the sin of white supremacy stop? And when will the church actually become the church and stop largely dividing itself by color? So instead of bringing the message I had earlier planned, I believe I should remind you all once again, as I have in the past, what the Bible's view of racism really is. And there are a number of places we could go in the Bible to study God's revealed point of view on this matter. We could go to John 4 to study Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman. The ethnic hostility between the Jews and the Samaritans of Jesus' day is well documented. They battled over disputed land, and in short, they hated each other. Yet when Jesus encountered that Samaritan woman at the well, he not only freely associated with her despite racial hostilities, but he loved her, and he showed her the way to eternal life. We could go to Acts 10 and study Peter's encounter with Cornelius. Peter had reservations about eating certain foods with certain people. He was apparently working on a racism of his own when the Holy Spirit confronted him on the matter. It led Peter to say in verses 34 and 35, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation. So after a lifetime of being taught by, culture, by a cultural lie, Peter was set free from the sin of racism. We could go to Galatians 3.28 where the Apostle Paul said that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. While this may seemingly innocuous statement upon hearing it today, this would have, this would have been an incredulous and radical statement uh, to make during the day. We could actually go to a number of different Bible passages in, in the Bible, but I think from my view, the passage in the Bible dealing most clearly with God's view of racism is in Numbers chapter 12. Would you please turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 12? Now, I have visited this passage with you before, but it's been some time, and I believe it's the passage that God would have us look at this morning. Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses. Now, Miriam and Aaron were Moses' brother and his sister. And they began to talk against Moses. It says, because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Now, Cush was the region in Africa, just south of Egypt. And so it's the region that we would now today call Ethiopia. And the Ethiopian people are known for having a very dark skin color. And so they were talking about him. And, and here's what they were saying. Well, has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked? Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. So they took their, their racism as an opportunity to question the authority of Moses. Now, verse 3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So Moses, in other words, did not retaliate. Moses did not take them on. But Moses waited on the Lord. And verse 4 says, At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, Come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud, and he stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. 
Then both of them stepped forward, and he said, Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house, and with him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, do not hold this, us this sin, this sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant from, coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. So Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. Would you notice something? Would you notice God's clear point? Would you notice God's clear point in the face of this racism in verses 9 and 10? The anger of the Lord burned against them. The anger of the Lord burned against them. Racism angers God. Racism angers God. I just showed you in the Bible. We say we are biblical Christians. We say we are Christians because of the Bible. We say we are saved by the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, because that's what the Bible says. Well, the Bible also says that racism angers God. And, and if you look at verse 10, when the cloud lifted from above the tent, there stood Miriam, leprous like snow. Now, leprous... The, the reference to leprosy in the scriptures can mean a number of things. It can mean a variety of infectious skin diseases, one of which had the appearance of snow, had a, had a white, snowy appearance. And Miriam was complaining that his brother had taken a wife of dark skin. And so God is saying to her, you like white? I'll give you white. You think white is better? I'll give you white. The anger of the Lord burned against her. And I have to notice Moses' compassionate response. Verse 13, so Moses cried out to the Lord, Oh God, please heal her. Let me say this so there's no mistake. There is absolutely no place for any form of racism in the life of a believer. We need to get after this, and we need to get after it hard. Racism divides and does not unify, so it is not of Christ. Racism is built on a foundation of superiority and not humility, so it is not of Christ. Racism belittles and does not esteem, so it is not of Christ. 
Racism engenders fear and not faith, so it is not of Christ. Racism creates a platform of hatred and not love, so it is not of Christ. Any excuse that any Christian gives for harboring racist attitudes is sin. Well, that's just the way I was raised, you might say. I understand that, but it doesn't at all make it right. It only serves as an excuse for not being fully surrendered to the will and ways of God. I will always be indebted to my late father, Jim Paquette, who is now in his heavenly home with Jesus. You see, I am only one generation away from some of the most racist people you could ever meet. My paternal grandfather spent his life as a prison guard in one of the toughest prisons in the state of New York. He was of the strong and vocal opinion that people of color were markedly inferior and of less value than white people. I remember hearing him say those things on many occasions. And I will always be grateful to my own father who willfully and deliberately broke that chain. He simply... He simply rejected it out of hand and in many ways lost some of the relationship he had with his own father. Then spending the vast majority of my childhood growing up in the greater Los Angeles area, I was afforded the great opportunity to live with many different people from many different cultures and ethnicities. I will always be grateful to my parents for showing me that people are who they are on the inside, not on the outside. As some of you know, as some of you know, my dearest friend on earth until his death in 2012 was an Indian man named Aramagam Stephen. Many of you knew Pastor A and will remember that he was an especially dark-skinned Indian man. And my being a hopelessly white person gave us an opportunity which we from time to time exploited. We would sometimes tell people whom we were meeting for the first time that we were brothers. Then as our victim would look at us with some sense of bewilderment, one of us would say, same father, different mothers. Because our Heavenly Father had brought us together in the most amazing way. And to this day, I miss him deeply and think about him. I'm not saying any of this to boast. I'm saying this as we I'm saying that as we gain greater access to the Father's heart, the less concerned we will become about matters that don't matter. And as the Father gains more and more access to our hearts, the more concerned we will be about injustices built on fear, hatred, and prejudice. I suppose you've heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world. 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 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. In Matthew 28, Jesus gave us a clear command. Go and make disciples of all nations. That would mean 
that all disciples of all ethnicities are our brothers and our sisters. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says that he who says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. He who says he is in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. So the matter if you say if you that means if you suffer from some form of racism, then you are living in darkness and you are not yet living in the light. And racism is embedded into the deepest places of our souls. It is built on superiority, arrogance, and insecurity, none of which have a place in the life of a Christian. And many of us this morning, beloved, need to repent of the insidious traces of racism that have found expression in our lives. And I'd like to right now call you all to examine yourself this morning under the word of God and in the presence of his Holy Spirit and ask God if there is a trace of racism in you. If you are a person who uses derogatory, defamatory terms to describe people of any ethnicity, then that is racism and you need to repent. If you are a person who likes to tell little jokes about people from ethnicities or people groups, then that is racism and you need to repent. If you are a person that prefers not to be waited on in a restaurant or checked out in a grocery store by a person of another ethnicity than, than what you are, then that is racism and you need to repent. If you are a person who, when showing up for a job interview, is relieved to see that the person interviewing you is the same ethnicity as you are, then that is racism and you need to repent. If you are a white person who thinks that the economy of the United States creates a level playing field for people of every color, then you are believing a lie. My point is that the tentacles of racism are deeply embedded in our souls. And if you allow the Holy Spirit to turn the light on and you see some then you need to repent. And any believer who rationalizes harboring racism in any form in your heart, I have one single question for you. What heaven do you think you're going to? Revelation 7, Revelation 7, 9 records John's description of heaven by saying, After this I looked... And there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation, every people, and every language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. If you are a racist, what heaven do you think you're going to? I would guess that there might be a few here today who are in sharp disagreement with this message. I believe that can only be because you were taught a lie and not the truth. And I'm just saying that 
Saying, well, that's just the way I was raised is not a reason. It's an excuse. And if you are a person who is in sharp disagreement with this message and think you have a biblical case for your racism, then I have two words for you. Bring it. My email address is tom at gcvineyard.org. My cell phone is 614-203-9604. And if you think you have a biblical foundation for racism, then bring it on. But if you're going to bring it on, let me tell you this. You better bring your Bible and you better bring your lunch because I'm willing to go down on this issue. I have 40 years of ministry here and around the world where God has blessed me with a substantial amount of relational equity with a lot of people. And I am willing to spend it all if it means it would it could stop another tragedy like George Floyd. And if you are an here with an opposing viewpoint, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you who are angry with me right now. I'm not going to hate you. I am going to respond to you in the same way that Moses responded to his sister. Lord, please heal them. There are two kinds of people here this morning. Those who need to repent of their racism, no matter how obvious or subtle, and those who are not racist and need to pray for those who are. So here's how I'm feeling led to end the service this morning. We do not have a comforting song or a happy goodbye. As I read Psalm 91 over you and pray for God's continuing blessing on you, I'd like you to simply drive off either in repentance or praying for our nation in this regard. Beloved, at least five of our cities are on fire. On fire. Our nation is in turmoil. And believers, we have the answer. We have the answer. Jesus said a... Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Father, we bow before you now in the mighty name of Jesus. We repent, God. Oh, God, purge me of any traces of racism. Purge me of any subtle traces of racism, God. Oh, God, come to this parking lot right now, I pray. Move in our hearts, God. We cannot legislate this. There's no fix for this in Congress. But if you changed our hearts, God, if you changed the hearts of those who call your name, what an impact that could be, God. Would you come and hear our repentance? Hear our confession? And minister your grace and forgiveness and power. And fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we'll know when you do, Lord, because you said that the fruit of your spirit is love, 
joy. We'll know because we'll have love. Do not stop filling us, Lord, until you bear the fruit of love in us. And God, we pray for our city. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those who are angry enough to be violent. We pray, Father God, for your Holy Spirit to come now and take charge of that which is out of control. In Jesus' name, amen. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I love you, church. Walk. Walk in wisdom. God bless.